There was a review I read, I think that sums up my feelings, which is that the story was nothing, but the whales were very cool. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Turuk Makto. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, we return to Pandora with Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Before we hopefully don't have to eat our words from 2021, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. We're in the same room. Oh my God, we so are. I'm being treated like a queen. I'm being fed. I have tea. And here we are. Um, we rewatched. Uh, we spent three of our precious hours together yesterday rewatching Avatar parentheses 2009. And in about an hour. <laughs> We will we will complete our journey that was predestined so many years ago. Um, if if you are a new listener to Mortified, um, wild episode to start on, but you might want to go back and check on our our what was like fifty fifth episode where we watched the first Avatar um, because we were not thrilled about that. Uh, notably, we uh, we did not come down very uh, generously with Mr. Cameron's Avatar. Actually, you know what. I think we were as nice as we possibly could have been. And we were also very funny. So go listen to episode 55 and then, uh, you know, you can report back. Um, so you may have noticed we haven't watched Avatar yet. That's because we're here to record a very special kind of pre-session. Um, we're going to do some predictions. Mm-hmm. We're, mm, we have, so what, what level of spoiler prevention have you done? Like how, how, how fresh are you going in? Okay, I can give you all the knowledge I have. Um, one, my dear, dear friend uh, and, and former neighbor told me that we were safe to go take a pee break uh, if they were not actively in the water. Um, Great. And uh, my coworkers also told me, it's a movie. <laughs> so that is where I'm at. I haven't done any like specific spoiler prevention, but I think I'm just lucky in the sense that like my general uh, internet presence does not overlap with staunch fans of the Cameron universe. I don't know if anyone's internet presence overlaps with Cameron universe heads, but um, my my level of spoilers, it, the only main thing that I really wish I hadn't been spoiled on, and this is my own fault because I've been following the Avatar Twitter account like a damn idiot, but um, I we learned that uh, the main antagonist from the first one, uh, Colonel Quaritch, uh, is going to be returning. Uh, now, you'll remember, if you watched the first film, that Colonel Quaritch was shot twice in the chest with neurotoxic arrows. Um, so how they're going to justify his return, I am very interested in finding out. Um, I think that, uh, I think it's Stephen Lang who plays him, did a great job. I suspect he will be doing the exact same character type. I, I, I think he'll be fine, but I do wish that he, I had just got it fresh and then been like, why the fuck is this man on my screen? Yeah, so uh, I guess the other, uh, that reminded me along that line, the one other thing I know about this movie that we both know about this movie is that uh, Miss Sigourney Weaver also returning yes. to play Jake and Nate Teary's teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. that. 
Um, I would also like to call out that if you go back and listen to episode 55, I was 100% right that uh, Jake and Natiri would have multiple children <laughs> in the way of the water, even though, sorry, way of water, even though I was making a complete joke about a billboard at the time. I mean, I promise you that billboard that you describe in ep- that episode exists now. It's just Jake and, and Natiri and like 100,000 discreet children. Yeah, if you find it, uh, mortifypod at gmail.com, do take a picture for us. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, 21st century fox maybe send us a check for our great concepts yeah um royalties please yeah um so what what do you think is going to happen in this movie like oh boise idaho what do i think is going to happen an avatar to a way of water um okay so we know jake and nature are going to have a ton of kids we also know we're going to be visiting other tribes so i think there's a non-zero percent chance that we are going to be trying to find a new home for the uh um, um, omotakayo tribe mm-hmm I think that's fair. I think one of, uh, I think Sigourney Weaver uh, in particular, uh, her character is going to fall in love with another person from a different tribe, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I think it's really, I really truly think it's going to be a rehash of the first film. You, yeah, same plot points. I also think, um, there's so because uh, our king, Tute, did die in Avatar parentheses one, um, I do think that maybe some of the other, uh, clan chiefs, I suppose, are going to take some umbrage with, uh, Jake being a dreamwalker and being in charge of the Omarakayu. I think that might be a little plot point. Um, also, I think Nateri's pregnant, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of shots of her being pregnant. I hope she's not pregnant again, because I would love for Nateri to have any agency this time. Any agency, any desire, any motivation, anything but looking um, meaningfully towards Jake or crying. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Nateri, you could do better. I really, truly think that you made a bad call with this guy, but... um, we're hoping that maybe maybe he's had some growth in the past 13 years. Yeah, since listen. This film came out. We had a conversation in the car yesterday about the fact that my dream as a human being right now is to validate a divorce. Nateri, girl, call me. I will tell you to dump him. God, yes. Um, I think with that, we will put in a great musical stinger um, to let you know that we have watched the film. But um, we will see you on the other side, listeners. Um, Ngo Kati Kame. Uh, we see you all, uh, and Godspeed. <laughs> yeah, fuck, go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay. Well. We're back. We watched Avatar 2 The Way of Water. <laughs> we sure did. Oh, Layla. Oh, Aaron. Where... So before we get started, <laughs> we want to say um, engaging with this franchise is inherently problematic uh, because of the fact that this main character is a white person pretending to be um, an indigenous person. Um, if you've listened to episode 55 of Mortified the, the Friendship Quest, you can kind of get our, our more expanded feelings on that. But um, this movie doesn't change that problem. And in fact, in many ways makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to be engaging with the, like how quote unquote problematic this film is for the most part. Cause we know we get it. We already talked about it. You can go listen to at 55. Just know that those criticisms uh, stand. Yeah. It's, it's real bad. Um, and with that out of the way, Layla, 
what's big up top? Um, how did you feel overall about this movie? Oh, hmm. There was a review I read, I think that sums up my feelings, which is that the story was nothing, but the whales were very cool. Sprinkled in there, um, I felt a great deal of emotions, most of them being anger, sometimes being bewilderment. And at the end, I felt all of it at once, and my body shut down on me. You did start crying at the end. I did start cry, cry laughing, screaming. Uh, it was kind of all, all of it. How did you feel? I had a weird emotional arc where I was like, man, I do kind of like Pandora. I like the world building. I like the creatures. I like the cool technology. And for the first 45, maybe an hour into the movie, I was like, is this going to be kind of good? Maybe the people who said it was good were right. Um, But just like with Avatar 1, this movie uh, runs into the same problems. Uh, It's not really interested in interrogating the most... um, you know, complicated or interesting aspects of its of its narrative or world building, and um, ultimately uh, did disappoint us um, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. I, I was I was I wanted I truly wanted to like this movie. I uh, yeah I went in with like I, uh, I I can't say I went in with hater goggles. I went in with like a hater monocle. Uh, that then expanded into hater goggles <laughs> um, during Act One of one of the four movies that this movie was trying to simultaneously be. Um, do we want to just go ahead and get into it? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, the movie opens on some more Jake Sully narration, um, and we start uh, with the Omatakaya Om- clan. Uh, I don't know why I can never say that word. And what we need to know up top is that Jake Sully fucks. <laughs> we get a very explicit shot of Neytiri uh, being pregnant, um, which is a choice. Um, and, yep. then, and then we, we meet their kids. Yeah, so Jake Sully, we know him from Avatar 1. He's still same old, same old. Neytiri, we know her from Avatar 1, I guess, uh, considering she has no character traits or motivations or interests. Um, but now we hit, we meet their children. Uh, so there's, uh, five, technically yes. there's the oldest one, Nateum. Uh, he's the oldest son. Do you have any feelings about our boy Nateum? Um, I mean, he's like the, the oldest son, right? I, I, I kind of identify with him as an older son. Um, but ultimately he exists to set up his younger brother's arc. Um, and you know, we'll talk about how that ends. Yeah, so he's, you know, the competent warrior, uh, the one his dad is proud of. Then there's Loak, the younger son. He's the troublemaker. He can never get anything right. Yeah, he's kind of a loner, kind of a screw-up, but uh, he... I, I think he has a little bit more of a personality than Nateum, um, which which makes him a more interesting character. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of his whole deal. Yeah, um, then we get Kiri. Um, so, Layla... <laughs> Layla, Kiri's a little bit interesting. Kiri's special. Um, what's about Kiri? What's hey, her- so Kiri was immaculately concepted by Grace's dead avatar body. So <laughs> there is maybe the only time I laughed in this movie. Um, the part where they're like they're chilling in the old avatar like labs and they're like looking at Grace's avatar, which they still have. Uh, it's just like in a tank somewhere. Um, and I think it's uh, Natam and Loak and Kiri are all, and Spider are all hanging out and talking. And they're like, who do you think knocked her up? <laughs> and and they're like, was it Norm? And Kiri says, um, I will kill myself <laughs> if, that, if 
this is my dad. I will drink acid, which is very funny. Which is funny because I love Norm. Pro-Norm faction. Yeah, Norm's great. Fuck off, Carrie. Uh, uh, then we have uh, Tuck, who uh, she's just a baby. That's her whole thing. Her, she's her, just little. She's the youngest daughter, and she gets into trouble. Yeah, she's just a little guy. Um, and then, so those are the four kids, right? Kiri's adopted, uh, Loak Tuck, and uh, I already forgot his name, Nateum. Mm-hmm. They're like uh, Nateri and Jake's biological children, which is an important fact to note. Um, and then there is Spider. So uh, Spider is the guy who I thought was going to be their biracial child um, and is unfortunately not. Uh, but he is um, related to another major character, which is to say uh, Colonel Miles Korch, the bad guy. Yeah, so this is uh, Miles Korch the second. Uh, he is uh, a little Mowgli-like boy who lives with the Navi and talks to the Navi and thinks he's Navi and is in love with Kiri. I think of all the ki- the, the characters, their kids, I like Spider the best, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, Ripperoni, I like him the least. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Neytiri hates him. That's also very important. Neytiri's not bad. It is explicitly up top. They're just like, yeah, Neytiri thinks he sucks ass and hates his guts, uh, which is which becomes plot relevant. Yes, extremely so. Um, so again, uh, they're fucking, they're trucking. It's all uh, hunky-dory for a while. And then... Uh, Oh God, there's a new star in the sky. And that can only mean one thing. The fucking sky people are back. And the sky people come down and basically land with the power of a fucking nuke. I like the sequence a lot. I I think the the ships, I love the the spaceships from Avatar. I think the design is really cool. Um, and I really love the landing sequence. It's gorgeous. And we get to see like these big like columns of flame as they descend. I think it's really pretty. I think all the once they start burning down the forest, like that's not great, obviously. I think it's kind of visually boring from there. But I like it. I like I really like that part. Yeah, the amount of forest that burned down was a bit much for me. It was, it was, it was a little too much. But um I will talk about my umbrage um with part of this scene a, a little bit later. We'll 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 return to it. Um, so on the human ships, uh, we get a Marine general, Francis Ardmore played by Edie Falco. Um, she's been sent to get, they want to make more call. They want to do more colonization. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah. So the actual motivation for why they are hunting a specific creature comes up a long time from now. But, like, right now, it's just kind of like, yeah, we're here to do the same stuff we did before. Yeah, it was like, Earth is dying. We're back. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Welcome back, I guess. Um, but the more interesting part is that uh, on this ship are uh, some more avatars, but without their human links this time. These are avatar bodies with human memories downloaded into them called the recombinants. And the most notable recombinants... Is Colonel Miles Horace. It's Stephen Lang. Yeah, he's fucking back, guys. All the reports were I, right. I lost it in the theater. I, <laughs> right? Oh, you heard my prediction where I was like, "Oh, I'm sad that I know that he's coming back." I did not get. I did not get spoiled on this, and I'm very happy about that because my reaction was raw. And I was like, "I kind of love this." I think I also kind of hate it because of the, um, you know, world building, you know, the the real life implications of what it means to have a colonizer take over an indigenous person's body. That's not great. But um, no, it's some real get out shit. Yeah, right. Exactly, one hundred percent. But I do think it's a very fun way to bring back a character. Like this is this is big sci fi bullshit. Uh, yeah, it's it's huge sci fi bullshit, and uh, I like I also love hate it, um, for the exact same reasons you enumerated. But anyway, so the, these guys they arrive, they're cool, they're there, um, and 
the general is like, hey, so you have all the memories except for the part where you fucking died. Um, so he's missing about two hours of memory of the of the end of Korich's life. And uh, he's, she's like, you know who killed you? Jake fucking Sully. And he's like, okay, my whole motivation for the rest of this movie now is going to be to kill Jake fucking Sully. Um, and so the hunt, the hunt is on, right, mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, so Korich and his his little marine gang of tattooed uh, Navi avatars, they go to the place where Korich fought Jake Sully to start, kind of see if he can recover his remains or whatever. But oh, guess who else is there? It's all their kids. All the kids, and they're not supposed to be there. I want to talk about this scene because it was also one of my favorites where he goes and finds his own body. Um, he like finds the mech and like finds the two arrows shooting out of his his skeleton at this point. And um, one, he like notes the pattern of the feathers because apparently Neytiri has a specific arrow pattern, feather pattern. Um, he's like, huh, this is gonna be something that I care about for the rest of the film. Um, and two, he picks up his own skull uh, and looks at it. Uh, and then you know, both him and his like team are like, wow, this is this is some real deep stuff. And then he crushes his own skull, which I think is so fun. It's just like, yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, very, very Shakespeare. And then, uh, you know, he watches his he watches himself die, which is wild. He watches Neytiri shoot him. Um, and this is where Neytiri gets her first character trait. And only character trait. She gets referred to as that shit, which honestly, I kind of respect. It's, it's fine. Um, so again, Corch's main goal is to kill Jake Sully. The kids are there. What does he do? Take the kids hostage. Uh, and the kids, uh, are somehow, I believe, able to call for help. They have the, um, those, like, neck, uh, mics that they're always wearing. Oh, right, they phoned in before they got captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're able to call for help. Jake and Neytiri are on their way. They come, um, and thankfully are able to, this time, save their children. That's foreshadowing. Uh, um, I like, I like this fight. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I was, it was really cool. We got to see, they, <laughs> Jake and Neytiri don't, like, do a whole lot in this movie, but when they do show up, they are like fucking um, like John Wick, right? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they are just lethal killing machines. They're battle coupling it the fuck up when they are out there. Um, so they get their kids uh, and, you know, the kids get in trouble for being there. And then, uh, you know, basically Jake and Neytiri have this whole conversation where they're like, oh, God, they're hunting us. And Neytiri's like... We have to fuck their shit up. And I say, I agree with her. I respect that, Neytiri. We should fuck their shit up. And Jake, coward, is like, no. We should fucking run. Mm-hmm. Fuck the Omatakaya. I know I'm the leader. I know you're next in line to be the spiritual leader. We're fucking leaving. We're mm-hmm. emigrating. We're fleeing. And Neytiri's like, no, my father gave me this bow to protect the people. I'm not going. And he's like, we should go to protect our children. The Sully stick together because these Navi have last names now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was very funny to me when I thought about that for 10 seconds. Uh, and so they, they, they flee. They go south uh, to the Water Islands where um, they meet the Mekaina clan um, and ask for asylum. Uh, in the Mekaina clan, they are led by... Uh, Ronal and Ton- Tonawari. Yeah, Ronal, notably played by Kate, Kate Winslet. <laughs> yes. Uh, how do we feel about these two? I like them. Yeah, I think they're good. I think they are uh, significant or sufficiently skeptical of of these two coming in. Um, and I think that, like, especially Ronal, who's just like, yeah, I don't like this. This sucks. Like the fact that this guy used to be um, Turek Makto, and now he's going to come and hang out with us. 
uh, that's not great, right? Like, I think she immediately picks up the fact that something is is hunting him, and she's like, "This is bad. They're they're gonna suck. I don't want I don't want to hang out with these folks." But her husband's just like, "Uh, it'll be fine." You know, he he was Taruk Makto after all. Um, one one important fact: um, the Taruk, the Great Leonopteryx, does not show up in this film, and I was very disappointed. Yeah, we really thought he was gonna be the Deus Ex again. I think you're right. I think the biggest mistake anybody makes in either of these films is agreeing to help Jake Sully. <laughs> it gets so many people killed. It gets like, it, it gets an extreme amount of people killed. It's not it gets a bunch of whales killed oh. in addition to like regular uh, Navi. We'll talk about the whale hunting scene. It made me so upset. It was, it was harsh. It was so much to watch. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously the two families are supposed to get along and, uh, Sully tells, Jake Sully tells his children, Hey, go make friends with the kids. Um, the kids don't get along. Uh, and I, you know what? I'm proud of myself. I called this. I knew there was going to be some weird internal avatar racism. And the thing is that all the hybrid kids have a pinky. They all have a fifth finger where, uh, all the like regular, like native Navi only have the four. Um, so I thought the biracial stuff was not going to show up in this movie, but it turns out it was. I'm I'm very excited to say. Yeah, fucking absolutely showed up. And so the other kids are like, these are aliens. These are freaks. Their tails are skinny. Their arms are skinny. They can't swim. They're all nerds. Their stripes are funny. And also, uh, Kiri has like uh, weird Jupiter ascending bee powers when it comes to fish. <laughs> she does the bee scene for Jupiter ascending. That's what you meant by the bee scene. Yeah. I see. Yeah. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. No. She does it twice. Yeah, it's great. Um, so basically, pranks ensue. Uh, at one point, the kids get in a fist fight. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Jake gets some trouble and then I have to go make up. And then that's, this is where the, the plot starts picking up a little bit, which is, uh, the kids then take, um, they, uh, uh, the, the kids of the sea tribe take the kids, the specifically Loak. they take Loak out on a quote unquote hunt outside the reef. And what they do is they abandon him and he almost gets his ass handed to him by an Akula, cool shark. And then he gets rescued by a whale. Specifically, uh, this, this whale species is called Tulkun, but this one's name is Payakan, um, and he is missing a fin because uh, he's an outcast. Yeah, he's an outcast, he's lonely, he's missing a fin, uh, and uh, Loak helps him take a, like a, a spear out of his fin, and then they become friends, and, Lo- and uh, Payakan takes him home. And here's where one of the Jake Sully parenting moments that really confounded me. Um, Lolak has been like out at sea all day and he literally just found out because the kid confessed that he like took him out and never brought him back as a prank. And then Loak comes home, does the like kind thing that honestly he should not have done, which is take the fall for this whole expedition. Mm-hmm. And then Jake gets mad at him for going missing. Here's the thing. I kind of like that Jake Sully is a bad dad. Uh, I wish that the film considered that. Um, but I do kind of like that Jake just sucks. Yeah, Jake's a... Yeah, he's a really bad dad. He sucks really bad. <laughs> and it gets his... It, uh, it, it hurts his family, ultimately. His kids call him Sir. Yeah, that's literally what happens in um, The Sound of Music. <laughs> that's just the thing from The Sound of Music. Is that what's going to happen to Avatar 3? Is that we're going to have um, Mary Poppins... Or not Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews show Oh my up. god, if Julie... And- Listen... <laughs> Somewhere, she doesn't have a love. Somewhere about two-thirds of, the, of this movie, I'm like, I don't think I could do this. the sequels. I think I'm done after this one. I think I'm out. That's not a bad idea. If, Julie, consider this. if Julie Andrews does it, though, 
my people back in. <laughs> my pull me back in. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so, uh, upon his day return to the village, uh, you know, Loak takes the ball and then he talks, you know, he bonds with the son that got him in trouble because he knows what it feels like to be an outcast because his older brother is perfect and mm-hmm. the girls don't have a personality other than Kiri, who's a fairy. Um, and, uh, he tells the other kids what he saw and then they tell him about Payakun and how he's, um, a killer whale. And he's he he's a murderer, and that's why he's been outcast from his tribe. And he's like, no, you don't understand him. He's misunderstood like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, so of the four movies included in Avatar 2, when you go see it, the most compelling one to me is the story of a boy and his whale. <laughs> yes, that's probably the, the best done. Um, but the most interesting part of Avatar 2 to me is the relationship between Korich and Spider, because we forgot to mention, they do not go back for Spider when they all get kidnapped, all the kids get kidnapped. They do leave Spider with Korich. <laughs> and, like, that's that's Korich's whole arc, is is dealing with Spider and, like, trying to teach him, like, hey, I'm not so bad, just because I'm a genocidal maniac doesn't mean I can't also be a compassionate Excuse father. Excuse me, he's the clone Navi avatar of a genocidal maniac. Oh, yeah, that's true. He specifically says to Spider at the beginning, like, we're technically not related at all, which is untrue, but sure. Um, and not how genetics work. Um, but like, uh, the, this is where the right he spider is like trying to teach him how to be a, a, a navi or or well, not necessarily to be a navi, but like how to live among as the omatakai do. Like he he teaches he takes them up to the big rock and he shows um, Korach how to like ride an ekron the the big the, what they call banshees um, and like. There's also a several shots of him like watching original Korch get murdered, and he's just like, "Wow, Natiri's really scary. Wow, crazy." Which, hey, sucks. It's it's really bad. It's not good. And keep that in your brain hole because that comes back. It's plot relevant. <laughs> um. So when Kiri and Rhea, so Rhea being the daughter um of the Mekaina leaders, and Kiri uh Sigourney Weaver. Go visit the mother tree of the Mekaina clan, which, okay, one of my favorite set pieces is that tree. It's because it's a tree, but underwater. So uh, obviously the foliage is a little bit different, but it still resembles um, the mother tree we're familiar with in the forest. Mm -hmm. um, Because it's like leaves have a very distinct glowing ribbing that kind of resembles that willowy texture. It's really cool. I loved it a lot. But when Kiri hooks up to it, whoa, she has a seizure. But not only that, you got to remember, Kiri, born of Grace's avatar, voiced by Sigourney Weaver. So Sigourney Weaver, parentheses, teen, goes into a vision where she talks to Sigourney Weaver, parentheses, dead. Asks who her dad is. The vision collapses. She has a seizure and has to get pulled out of the water and taken back. And uh, this is where uh, two two and two movies meet because uh, Norm comes back out. This is the last time we see my my boy Norm. Uh, this film, I miss him so much. They come back to uh, help uh, help uh, our, our girl Kiri out. They fail. They get booted, and instead, there's a. Um, I'll be generous, and I'll call it like a folk healing sequence. I thought it was pretty tactlessly done, but who am I to say? I don't know. It's um, not great. It didn't make me feel good. It didn't make me feel good to watch. Um, but so, you know, while that's happening, whoa, back with the Quaritch gang, they realize there's an unaccounted for aircraft heading south to the islands. That could only mean one fucking thing. But there's so many islands. What are they going to do? Well, 
burn shit until they find Jake. They're going to burn people out of their house. Yeah, until they find Jake Sully. Um, So again, agreeing to help Jake Sully, biggest mistake you could make in this fucking franchise. It it hurts everyone. It's not great. (laughs) Hurts your cousin, your cousin's cousin, your cousin's mother, hurts fucking everyone. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know. Uh, now we are we're starting to collide and as Korich is now uh taking over a whaling boat we learn about another reason why the humans are back which is they are hunting the tulkun which are again sacred to the metkayina people they refer to individual tulkun as their fucking spirit siblings like these are important whales to these people these are sacred whales they're pacifist whales and their emotional centers are like proportionally much larger than humans ones um which means like they're they they like they have so many more neurons they're basically way smarter than than humans is the way that it's explained. which we see and it fucking rules when it happens um but yeah so they're hunting these whales for <coughs> excuse me a substance in their brain called amrita which uh basically stops human aging and uh if you remember unobtainium costs 20 mil a kilo this shit costs 80 mil a vial because we gotta amp things up and then i shit you not it is the same exact dialogue <clears throat> and because uh grace being uh not liking the military operation surrounding her research uh was too nuanced of a critique of the fucking i guess american oil system or whatever <laughs> uh this scientist also doesn't like it but he goes along with it and helps them kill the whales but drinks about it He's really sad. He feels so bad. He feels like so bad about it, though. And this was my least favorite part of the movie. There is a whale hunt that takes, I think, 20 minutes. And it made me so deeply and viscerally upset. I did not like watching it. I thought it was very interesting. I mean, like, the they went into a long, like, process of how they have to, like, use a certain probe to, like, track the whale and then separate one from their group. And then, like, inflate balloons to flip them over so they can hit them on the underside with their harpoons. Um, and then, like, once they're dead, you have to, like, open their mouths and drill up into their brains to get, like, a, you know, maybe, like, a 32-ounce, you know, sample of this, like, Amrita, this nectar um, that, you know, re- reverses aging or whatever. Um, it, it is all, it's, this is the thing about Avatar is that I think it does, goes into really interesting places with its world building. It does a lot of neat stuff, but also it's just, like, Anyway, let's talk about the exploitation of indigenous people and, you know, uh, animals and, like, give you a lot of this torture porn. It's just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if this is fun to watch. Yeah, it's really not. Um, And then, hey, folks, it's just Avatar 1 again. Yeah, basically, they track um, one of the way. Oh, they they find um, Loic's whale buddy. um, And that's, yeah, they, the the kids, um, what do they do? They, they get kidnapped again by Quaritch. They they find PyCon. Um, then basically all the, um, you know, Jake Sully plus the um, Kaina show up. They have a huge battle, which again, very cool, very cool. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of fighting. Uh, there's at one point, um, PyCon uh, does a sweet flip over their ship and like crushes it with his body and just starts whacking people with his fins, which kicks ass. Um but yeah, right then it's just like, you know, an hour, maybe an hour and a half. <laughs> it felt so long um, uh, of just Jake and Ateria like murking dudes left and right. And then various people getting shot at. Um, and unfortunately, uh, what's his name? Nateam takes a bullet um, and he does die. He does die. Um, which I think is a strong narrative choice. Like I like it when stories have stakes and like, you know, killing a... Uh, <laughs> 
it's not to say that Natam was like a huge character character, right? But I think, you know, it's at least, you know, giving them some motivation um, to, you know, keep keep going and shows that like, you know, hey, these people are dangerous, right? Basically what happens then is, um, you know, they want to get revenge for Natam. Um, so Nateria and Jake kind of go. They also have recaptured Kiri and uh, Took. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's it's the RDA folks kind of like holding down the fort as their ship begins to sink. Uh, but then Jake and Nateria kind of sneak in. They start killing a bunch of folks. And it comes to the point where Quaritch has Kiri at knife point. But also Spider is helping Jake navigate through the ship because he's been like captured on there and he knows all the, all the parts. Um, and then like Jake's like, okay, I, I'm going to put down my weapons. I can't, I can't fight you, Quaritch. And then Neytiri um, grabs Spider and says, if you, why don't you put Kiri down or I'll kill your son. Uh, and at this point I was like, I, this movie's lost me. I think this is a terrible, terrible decision to make. This sucks. And I hate it. Yeah. And then, uh, Spider, uh, who again is terrified of Neytiri as it is, cause he saw her kill his dad, um, which I think is also a stupid decision mm-hmm. that I hate very much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Spider, uh, you know, he, he gets further traumatized by Neytiri and, um, you know, then the whole battle happens. Korich, uh and and Jake die, or they like end up going underwater. The whole boat flips over. This is a cool sequence. Everyone has to kind of beat the boat turning over, and there's three pairs of of people running around. Um, but at the end of it all, uh, Neytiri and Took are trapped. Um, Kiri and Loak got away, and uh, both Korich and Jake are drowning. And at this point, I'm like, die, die, Jake Sully, die, J- please. I'm begging. No, of course not. Loak's a good boy, so he goes to save his dad. But uh oh, so Spider, Spider's also a good boy, and mm-hmm. he also saves his dad. And then Kiri does more uh, fish bee stuff, and she goes and saves uh, Took and Nateri. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, they all emerge and, uh, then they have to go and bury, uh, Pornateum. Um, now at this point I did start crying cause the, the, the imagery of like a parent having to bury their child is very potent to me. It was very sad. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just, it's a wild movie. That's the movie. That's the film that mm-hmm. we watched. Uh, so, uh, a status quo, the Sullys, except for Natam, are still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Korich, also still alive in an Avatar body. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should say, um, the Sullys don't go back to the forest. No, they become members of the Metkaina. Why does Jake Sully get two tribes? He's like, this is actually, I had this thought, this is why they needed, you know, five Avatar movies. There's actually probably going to need to be eight. Um, because Jake, much like Ash Ketchum, needs to collect them all. <laughs> he needs to become a member of every single tribe. Then he has to fight the elite four tribes of Pandora, so he can become the league champion of Pandora. Uh, we're doing double white saviorism duty here, and I, you gotta give it up. James Cameron knows what he's about, and it's indulging in decades-long tropes. I guess. Okay, so that's the plot of the movie. And we said we're not we're not going to engage with like how problematic the white saviorism etc is. I do want to talk about just like the narrative structure around them not going back to the Amatakaya. Um because it's insane to me. 
So one of the coolest parts of the movie and one of like Nate Thierry's standout character moments is the fact that this bitch will not adapt. Mm -hmm. She is going to keep her Ikran. She is not going to learn how to swim with any of these fucking fish. She (laughs) She is not not learning how to hold her breath. She is not using a spear. She's keeping her bow. Mm -hmm. Like Nate, you do not ask Nate Thierry to adapt. She's a forest person. She's going to go by her forest ways. Mm And one of the coolest moments in this is like when they're when they're amping up the final battle. The thing that sets off the final battle instead of Jake just kind of martyring himself is that the whale sees Loak captured, Payakun sees Loak captured and wrecks this fucking boat. And that is what allows um, you know, the the Navi at that point to go and attack. And Natiri is the only one flying on her Ikran. It was so fucking cool. I was like, yes, that's my girl. Go get them, baby. Shoot a bunch of bitches. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I, the other part of that is when when uh, Nateum is dying, he says, "I want to go home." Mm. That is, those are his last words. I want to go home. So you have Natiri who refuses to adapt. Nateum refuses to go home, and Jake has done a bunch of damage to these sea people. What do you mean you're Metkaina now? It's real dog shit, right? I mean, like, they could have just been like, well, we feel bad because your your son got killed, so we're going to make you honorary Metkayina. Uh, but, like, Jake offers to leave before that, and if I was the uh, the clan leader, I would have just been like, oh, well, yep, it's been a good run. Anyway, goodbye, idiot. <laughs> Please never come back. Yeah, there there's a different way to set that up, which is like, oh, they discovered that, because they never really touch on the fact Excuse me, that the humans are hunting the Tulkun just out out of range, like so that the Metkayina don't see that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. If they had discovered that operation and dealt with the implications of that operation, the Metkayina would have had motivation to attack the humans. And then at the end, if you know, if they wanted to, they could have been like, You're always welcome here, my brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then have them go back to the forest. But having them stay and because Jake at the end, his ending monologue is like, This is our home now, makes no fucking narrative sense to me. It's very strange. I mean, like, he's obviously gonna, you know, fight and be a guy who, um, you know, he's gonna lead the resistance uh, against the the RDA and the humans or whatever. And that's all well and good, right? That's kind of the point of these kind of stories is to, you know, show an indigenous population, you know, defeating colonizers. And, you know, in theory, that's that would be something I'd be interested in. But because of the ways that this movie is made, you know, I can't really support it. But um, it's just like... They made a lot of narrative choices, and not all of them were endearing. I don't know, right? Like, I don't think this franchise is interested in getting, like, complicated characters, right? I think it's interesting that Jake is a bad dad and Nateri is a bad mom. Um, But I don't think that the franchise wants us to feel like that about them. And, like, it is a very strange choice for for them to make to make make their characters kind of suck. Well, it's not interested in exploring why Jake is a bad dad and Nateri is a bad mom because the gender and family politics of this movie are so completely outdated, even though they're applied to the year 2170 something. (laughs) Only, and this is someone we were talking earlier about um, the forest burning down when the humans arrive again, and also Nateum dying, and also the whales being hunted. There was a pattern in this movie that really bothered me. And again, I'm not interested in engaging with like the problematique of it all. But this this one thing like got amped up in this sequel and it bothered me to my core, which is that only women are allowed to show grief. 
That's true, right? Like, it's only the girls who are crying. It's- and not just, like, crying. Like, wailing. They are they are grieving from their core. These women, these actresses are putting it all on that screen. And the men just get to stand there and be stoic. And it made me feel awful. It's That's the thing. We, we rewatched Avatar 2009 yesterday. And, like, the same thing happens with Neytiri when her dad dies and her home burns down. Uh, again, all Jake Sully's fault. All Jake Sully's um, fault. Right. We, you know, Zoe Zaldana, who I don't think is a good person, um, but, like, is a good actress, right? does this, like, gut-wrenching wail constantly. And, like, we are just watching Neytiri as a character get torn apart, like, over and over again. Like, there's a reason that she, you know, has the quote-unquote batshit trait, right? Is is because she is just so traumatized. And, like, it is hard to watch, you know, Neytiri go over and over and over again, losing everybody that she cares about. Um, and it's all largely Jake Sully's fault. Girl, you need a divorce. You need a divorce today. And that, that just, you know, to come full circle, feeds back into your point of, like, the reason that this movie is not interested in, in interrogating the fact that Jake's a bad dad and that Terry's a bad mom is because from the filmmaking perspective, they're not, it's just the way that families are. Yes. Right. And it's, it's very, I think there's something interesting to be said about how like Jake enforces his own idea of what families are onto his kids who are from a completely different culture than he is. Right. I think this film talks a lot about like biraciality and, and assimilation um, and the ways in which, you know, the way that you are raised um, and the people you're raised among, um, you know, that affects who you are as a person, and how you come up. But like, you know, I don't think the film intentionally is doing this, but it does make Jake's like weird parenting style forefront. Right. They, like we, you know, we've joked about this, but they his kids say bro and cuz a lot, which is an insane thing to do. Um, right. One, firstly, because they're not speaking English, um, but two. um right because like you know the navi wouldn't say those things um and right the, the fact that his he expects his kids to be all you know like soldiers little little warriors um and, and his his daughters to be like perfect sweet girls who you know just to stay at home and and heal you know it, it is a strange thing that jake has raised his kids to be in this way this this way that like if you like like we have been doing over the past year, like read into the culture of the Navi. It is not this, I mean, I guess there is, right? In in Avatar 1, there's like, they, they do follow this strict uh, heteronormative, like patriarchal society, um, right? Where like you, you have, you can only mate with one person for the rest of your life, um, right? And that that is a fault of the world building. But like, even then, when you're, you're trying to imagine like an alien person coming and bringing their culture and passing that down to their kids. It's a very strange thing to do, especially since those kids were raised among the rest of the Umatakaya, right? They'd be more Umatakaya than anybody else. And the fact that they are, they are so strongly, you know, more similar to Jake and, and, and humans is, is a very weird implication. And I think it, you know, it means that Jake has like tried to purse, like isolate and, and for, force his kids to be away. Um, that is interesting. It says an interesting thing about him as a character, but I do not think is what the franchise wants us to feel. Yeah. Cause I mean, like they don't have any friends among the Amatakai that we see. No. And so, oh God. Yeah. It's just, it's, mm, it's a mess. Uh, Jake's always a bad dad. And not like, so I just replayed uh final fantasy X or sorry, I played it for the first time, played final fantasy X for the first time. And Jack is a bad dad, right? Mm-hmm. He's an right. absent father. He's a shit dad. Sure. But he was more fun for me to watch, and I felt more emotional about his and Titus's reunion than basically any moment with Jake and his children. 
Right. Jake doesn't very rarely shows warmth towards his sons. I guess there's one bit where he asks um, Nateum, like, how bad they fucked up the other boys in the fight that they had. And, like, that was kind of nice. Like, I think that is kind of a fun moment of Jake being a, a prototypical, like, American dad. Um, but, like, yeah, uh, I just, we don't really see any warmth except between Jake and um, Sigourney Weaver's daughter character. Um, right? Like, eh, he, this film is all spectacle, right? That's James Cameron's whole deal, right? With Terminator and Titanic and all the other shit he's done, right? He loves to do a big spectacle, and, like, a lot of this movie is devoted to, like, gorgeous CGI, CGI shots of, like, creatures and underwater environments, and just things that are just like, wow, this is so pretty, right? Mm. But the things that we are interested in, I think, you know, are, at least what I'm interested in, are, are the narrative. And, like, it fails on so many levels to like see how its characters like come across and play out. And I think that is truly um, a fault of Mr. Cameron that he was not able to either cut out the parts of this movie that didn't need to be there and and actually make his characters likable. Because I think that's again, not what he's interested in. He wants this to be a big production and and make a billion dollars. Right. Which I mean, again, for the spectacle, as you said, it's really beautiful. Uh, I love all the sea creatures. I love the big whales. I think they're cool. Um, you know, there was a lot of like really, I don't know, compelling imagery. There was honestly like the boat fight sequence was visually really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Especially when uh, like Nateam is swimming to save Jake and the only lighting underneath are all the alarm lights. Right. Um, so they're like flashing around. I, you know, it was really cool lighting work. It's really beautiful. Everyone who worked on this movie worked did such beautiful work. Um, unfortunately, there is just no narrative to support that work, and that is, and the narrative that is there seventy two percent of the time is infuriating. So, like, what are you gonna do? There? I don't know, right? I think I think this is the problem with the franchise is that it is I know James Cameron loves this stupid world that he made, but like I think it ultimately right serves to to be a James Cameron vehicle, which is to say, you know, you you set out you put out a movie and you make a billion dollars and and everybody loves it or whatever. Um right? It it is so it is soulless in a weird way that I I it is hard to like when we watch, you know, the the most the best comparison I think is fast and furious, right? Another franchise solely built around family, which this movie way of water positions itself to be. Um, but like, we get to see moments of the family hanging out and joking with each other and like kind of having a good time and enjoying each other's company. And nobody does that in this film in a way that really bums me out. Yeah. No one and Loak do a little bit like there's moments yeah i guess there's brother brother bonding but there's none of that with kiri or took which bums me out because kiri is basically just there to be a narc Mm -hmm. and i think the one of the parts in the movie i had to kind of stop myself from laughing at was uh everyone calls kiri a freak because she can do you know weird nature shit yeah and uh you know jay comes and sits with her and he's like you know what's going on she's just like why can't I be normal? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, baby, cause you're a teenager with the voice of a 70 year old British lady. <laughs> like I, it is just, it is a bonkers movie. I, you know, and on a, on a, on a very surface note, Sigourney Weaver is a great actress. I could not get over the voice. I, I, it didn't bother me largely, but I understand, you know, she is, she's, she's trying to be a teen. Um, and she's just not, and that's fine. Right. You know, she's doing her best. She's doing her best. 
it's insane. Okay. All right. You know, but I, I, it, it was, a, it was a real distraction for me. Um, but I've, I've complained about the like vocal cadences of this franchise before. I don't think not on air, but like Nate Thierry, for example, is just not consistent in her English fluency. Um, it just kind of depends on what she's saying and what she's doing. Uh, obviously this movie is a little bit weird cause they use English as a substitute for Navi cause everyone's speaking Navi all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it'd be what it'd be. Um, so do you have anything else about this movie specifically or do we want to talk about where we think it's leading? Yeah. What, what are your predictions for Avatar 3? Well, Quaritch is back. Well, Quaritch is back. That's good. I love to see it. Cause you know, his son saved him. So he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they're going to find out that spider saved his ass. Um, we're gonna have to deal with the repercussions of that, which means Nateri's gonna try to kill him again. Yeah, I mean, I guess, sure. Uh, my wife believes that he will get a redemption arc, which I think is true and also very funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I think your wife is a hundred percent correct. Um, I, it's it's gonna be just wild. Uh, whatever they do. I- Layla, do we even follow up on Avatar 3 is the thing? <laughs> Should we be going in, again in, you know, this long into 2024? So shortly before uh, we started recording, somebody brought up the concept of uh, Julie Andrews being in Avatar 3. <laughs> Not for real, just jokingly. Um, and that is the only reason I think I would conceptually go see another one of these films willingly in the theater. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. It was beautiful. It really is. I it's I I I I cannot stress enough that I don't want to shit on the hard work like artists, writers, gaffers, yeah, grips, stunt know, coordinators did on the this. The ten thousand people that actually made this movie, aside from James Cameron. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to undermine that work. Beautiful work. I hope they got. I hope they made fat stacks mm-hmm. from this production. Right. It, there is not in. There is nothing there narratively to support three and a half hours. But at the same time, there's too much there narratively for me to sit and turn my monkey brain on and go, ooh, pretty colors, and just enjoy the visuals. I walk out of there angry. And like that's just not an emotion I want to experience after having paid money to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, much like our, our our whole ethos here at Mortified, we want to engage with media that makes us feel good. Um, or maybe not necessarily makes us feel good, but makes us feel good about having watched. Um, like, we feel like, you know, if we watch something sad, we want to at least be like, yeah, you know what, that made me feel something in, in a positive way. And this... It is a husk of a franchise, unfortunately. It is sure something. I hope, you know what, I, 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 I don't want to leave off on a bummer note. I hope it finds its heart. Right. I really do. I hope that the kids do because I, I like the kids for the most part. I hope that they get more stuff to do just because Jake is kind of a bad character to follow. Mm-hmm. He's not fun to watch. He's a coward. He sucks. Every time the, the humans come, he's like, we should run. They're so strong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, if you like him that much, go kiss him. Yeah. Um, I think, right. I think that for this franchise to actually be interesting and about the stuff that I care about. It would have to, frankly, do away with the Jake Sully character entirely. Um, we were so close. Right, like, the fact that he is still a white savior at the end of the day, and that, that is a big bummer. Um, and I, I think, also, I think you just have to cast actors who are indigenous people uh, to play these roles, right? Because if you're going to play on those tropes and try to evoke the imagery of, of indigenous people suffering, you should at least be paying indigenous people uh, to do that. And And, you know, like, I think... Pretty much all of the the Navi characters are new Navi characters are are white in this one. 
are played by white actors, which is, you know, right? It's it's rough. It kind of t- you it's a lose lose because last time they were mostly played by people of color. Mm-hmm. That was a bummer. I were played by white people, but they consulted uh, Maori people, right? Yeah, Maori people for the um, yeah. uh, Metkaina. Yeah, because they did like a haka and, and their tattoos are styled after the Maori and. But like, it's a lose-lose because at this point, this franchise has kind of like fumbled its own politics. Mm-hmm. As a reminder, people with any kind of ideology don't like the Avatar franchise. People on the right don't like it. People on the left don't like it. People in the center are like pretty colors. And mm-hmm. God, I wish that were me. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately at the end of the day, if you are telling a story about indigenous people and you're not an indigenous person, maybe you just, maybe you don't. Like, you know... It's just not our story to tell. Maybe you don't, or if, you know, oh, God, like, the world's cruel. At least at least hire some fucking consultants, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it, I feel like at this point, it's troubling for me to go too far to one extreme and be like, well, if you're a race, you can't tell stories about other right, people. Yeah. But you should take care. You should take as much care as you can. And if you're corrected, you should try to respond to criticism, good faith criticism with grace. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the note I want to leave off on is if you want to watch two hours of beautiful lighting and pretty fish, go play or watch a playthrough of Abzu. Yeah, much more. Much, I would have rather we just played Abzu. Uh, but we've, we've done our grim duty, Layla. We've completed our avatar quest. Uh, hopefully never to return to the pan- planet of Pandora unless something wild happens in 2024, which I doubt. Um, but if Hey, it was rumored that Vin Diesel was going to be in this flick, and he wasn't, but if he's in the next one... <laughs> Listen, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Layla, when we are not uh, sitting through three and a half hours of James Cameron's uh, Dark Twisted Beautiful Fantasy... <laughs> Where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. That's vibes. What are, how about you? I'm on Twitter at AaronSXL, um, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. Um, there's also a bunch of other places I'm at. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. That's at AAVoit, where I do tabletop RPG reviews. Uh, I do another podcast with my friends Michael and Josh. That's at The Bible Boys. We talk about Christian media and either praise or condemn it. Um, that's a lot of fun. You should check all that good shit out. But actually, you know what? Just go to aavoit.com. I'm just That's going to be my go-to plug now because who the fuck knows what's going to happen with social media. Yeah, fucking rip Twitter. Yeah, RIP. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bamcap.com. Layla, mm-hmm. how are we going to close this one? Hey, Aaron. Yeah. I will kill you as many times as I have to. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, happy New Year, folks. Uh, it's going to be a good one.